A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 102, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hey folks, it is the draft edition, and uh, it is a big one, because when this show releases, it will be the MLR, MLR draft, the second one, the 2021 draft, Dan Power with you alongside the professor, Pete Steinberg. And Pete, we go to three rounds this year, so there will be, let me quickly do my math, 13, 26, 39. Picks on Thursday. Uh, it's gonna. It's you know what? Let's retrospectively look at this first. I didn't think that the initial draft that many players were going to play this year. I think a lot of people were surprised that so many of the picks did in fact play, and not just play. There were some guys in this draft. Though Andrew Guerra, second round pick for Nola, goes on plays for the Eagles. What a year he had! You know, there's some really good players that come out of the draft, and I think. You know, we're going to see this thing just evolve and improve year on year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that it was, you know, it's it's um, maybe a little bit alien to the the non-US um, spectator fan, but this is the way Americans do it. It's a way of creating competitive balance. And there are a lot of good rugby players that are coming out of college. And I think last year's draft showed that. And I think that, um, the draft, you know, being the number one pick, you know, we'll hear it from Con. It's a big deal, right? And and it's another asset that the that the, the league can own. And so I'm a huge fan of the draft. I know, you know, it's funny because when last year, Dan, if you remember, there was some there was some concerns that people had about the draft. Like, are we going to make people fly across the country and things like that? But guess what? It worked itself out, right? I can be drafted by one team, but if I don't want to go there then I can like work it and get traded to another team. And we saw that happen a couple of times and it's no different than it was Dan when you were playing for um, old blue, right? Old blue. Is that who you played for? <laughs> when, you were, when you were playing. Episode hey, 102 is finished. <laughs> when, Episode 103 like, will feature Dan and Connor Mooneyham moving forward. <laughs> um, but like, you know, when you were playing for Nyack, you would play for Nyack. There'll be a bunch of young kids that, flew across the country to play top club rugby. Like it's always been yeah. that way. And so, you know, so I, I, I don't see like people make sacrifices. They put, they've always put their careers on hold, even without professional rugby. And I think that, you know, I think it's a good thing and I'm excited. I'm excited to watch you do your stuff. Yeah. You know, and just to add on that, like a guy who would have been drafted if MLR existed, Lou Stanfield, who ended up playing in the MLR was a perfect example. Guy grows up in Sacramento, goes to Cal down the road, and comes out to Nyack to play. Like Lou and I played together in 2009 for Nyack. And uh, Andrew Lindsay, who, who 
people may not know as well, but another cow guy did the yeah, exact another same cow thing. Guy. And it happened all the time. They would ping pong all over the country and go where they needed to go to play. And then you would just figure out the, uh, you know, the other stuff like life after you figured out your rugby. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to come back and do it again. It's going to be great. We've got uh, Stacey Pates this year as well. She wasn't available with COVID last year, so I did it with the uber-talented Danny Wexman, who will also be involved again this year. But it's going to be awesome to get back with Stacey. I hadn't seen her all year. Finally got to see her in L.A., and it was, like, very emotional because I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I, I you, you can attest this. We see them every weekend, but we don't see them every weekend. Yeah, so yeah. So it was kind I of – yeah. it, was, it was weird. So it would be good to catch up with Stacey and, and uh, get down there to Texas with the with the big dog, the commish, George Killebrew, who will be announcing a lot more players this time around. And it'll be a lot more uh, complete than last year, I think. Well, I think there was a – yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of learning, like uh, – um, you know, our, our guy, Aaron, is like involved on the back end. There's a huge amount of administration that goes into this, right? It's like, yeah. I, I always feel like it's a little bit like, the, like this is one of these things that's the duck principle. Like, you know, for those of us that are watching TV, it all looks like it's it's like nice and smooth and floating along the river. But underneath, there's like all of these turning and turning. Little duck, turning, all legs yeah, are yeah, churning. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all the legs are churning. And, you know, I know people like, like Aaron are working super hard like trying to pull it off because there's a you know a lot of applicants you've got to review all of them they're all they're all individuals right you've got to make sure that they're eligible you've got to make sure that they played rugby at college you've got to make sure that they attended college you've got to make sure they were eligible to play rugby and attend college i mean i mean basically you're doing like a second um you know a second round of eligibility just to make sure they get into the draft so so the league puts a lot into this um into this you know um effort um and i think you know it showed this year that it's worthwhile yeah, and also all the stuff you added. Just think of this: COVID's basically shut down college rugby. Uh, we had a good sample size last year for the draft because March rolled around and it basically shut down the spring season. But we had, you know, a good backlog of rugby through the fall and a little bit in the spring in some of the warmer areas to to lean on. Teams now are like, well, this this guy was good as a as a freshman or a sophomore. Sophomore, it'd have to be a sophomore, sorry, or a junior. Um, what have they done in the last 18 months to, to basically quantify yep. what I'm about to do here and invest a, a draft pick uh, for this team's future on this player. So, and it's also, you know, we've gave Aaron a couple of shout outs. We'll give him one more. How hard is his job now? Because he has to go and do all the scouting film for every single player with no film. So it's like, as we build this show out, it's <laughs> going to be like, well, what do you think of this draft pick? And it's going to be like, well, let's take a look at their picture. Um, and then you're going to do one of those things where the camera like scrolls across the picture to make yeah. it look like it's actually like moving. That's going to be what yeah. it's like. So it was, so it was great to have the, um, you know, Pat Clifton and his crew put on the, the sevens down in New Orleans uh, earlier this year, which was on the rugby network, which yeah. is outstanding because a lot of kids got an opportunity to step up and play in that tournament and get noticed. So that, we'll be leaning on that a lot. So thanks to, to Pat and his team for, for organizing that and Nola Gold for hosting in the Rugby Network. But all right, that, uh, that banter, as always, brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the Rugby Shop. we got a, a really special guest tonight. Uh, hopefully in 20 years, Pete, MLR is at the level where this is like a legit trivia question. So trivia nights around bars, if that still exists, if people still go to bars in 20 years or in their virtual reality goggles at the bar doing trivia night, who was the first ever first round first pick in Major League Rugby? Who was it, Pete? Was it Connor Mooneyham? 
right you can join so, so but here's going to be no, no but that isn't going to be the tricky question right because by then 20 years from now connor would have had a 10-year career in major league rugby and have gone to a couple of world cups right he would be a he would be like you know the one of the stars probably like taking my role as an analyst like everyone will know who connor Mooneyham oh. is and he'll have 10 years with the with austin right and so yeah. the, everyone would be like, oh, it's connor Mooneyham. and then the question will be but who drafted him and everyone oh. will think Austin drafted him yeah, because of his long it. career with Austin. But it, it, it'll be exactly a Dan Power tribute. Like you'll you'll like pull everyone's pants down with that one 10 years from now. I'm telling pop you. Culture. The, it'll be pop, pop culture. culture. It'll be right pop culture. Right in my wheelhouse. All right. Well, let's not waste any more time. You don't want to listen to us too, Jabron. We actually do plenty of that in the interview anyway. Let's bring him in. Connor Mooneyham. All right, it is the draft in Major League Rugby, and who better to bring in than the number one pick from the 2020 draft? And uh, Austin Gilgroni. It wasn't that way on the day of the draft, though, Connor, as uh, Commissioner George Killebrew read your name out to the Dallas Jackals. But as we all know now, a few things transpire, and you have a fantastic year in Austin. Firstly, mate, appreciate you joining us. Welcome to the show. Yeah, what's up, guys? Good to be here. So great rookie year for you, uh, uh, minus, minus a couple of head knocks. I think take those out of the equation and, and you're probably one of the, the brightest stars of 2021 for Austin. Let's, let's hit rewind just a little bit. I know it's, it's probably not a subject that you enjoyed living through, but the announcement that Dallas are not going to come into the league was very, very last minute. I mean, you and I were actually on the phone minutes after it happened and you're like, I've just finished packing my U-Haul with my wife. We're going to Dallas, but now we're not. A couple of days go past, draft comes out, you go to Austin. Tell us a little bit about your experience through that. Yeah, I was super nervous. Um, I actually got the email from the MLR while I was in a, a hospital parking lot because my mom was getting her appendix removed. So it was just like a, a lot of things were going on in my life. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to Dallas and I'm going into another draft. So I started calling a lot of coaches, a lot of teams around the league. And uh, Austin was definitely at the top of my list because I wanted to stay in Texas. Loved the city of Austin. You know, I loved the new coaches that were coming in and what they were doing with the program. So, you know, I was pretty nervous because, you know, I was talking to my wife and I was like, hey, uh, we could go anywhere. So we, we could be on the East Coast or the West Coast and, you know, potentially Toronto. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever happens, happens. So. Well, let's, let's just talk about after it goes down because Austin at that time have two pretty experienced wings. Uh, Frank Kalai played a lot of wing and Jeff Hasler. So you're going to a team that has, you know, both international wingers and all of a sudden Jeff breaks a thumb and he's out for the year. And like we were just talking before you came on, you're like, everything happens for a reason. The stars aligned for you and you became a, a star in Austin. How was the preseason fitting in? Because they were pretty much – how close to kickoff were we here? We were, like, getting into camp and going. You had a quick little runway to get ready to play for Austin. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Uh, I came in in the late later half of preseason, um, kind of jumped right into it. I think the first contact session was, in, was within, like, two weeks or something like that, and that's actually when Jeff hurt himself, um, which is – Who heard him, very... Connor? Who heard him? I actually don't know. I know it was in a oh, rock. No, oh, I swear, I swear, I swear, I have no idea. He doesn't even know. I asked him and he, he doesn't even know. Or he does know and he's not telling me. But 
it was in a ruck and uh I, I believe it was actually his wrist and his thumb it was it was like a a combination of things but um yeah and then we had four preseason games straight after that and I played in all of those every single minute so I you know I got a lot of time you know preparing myself for for the season so you know when when I talked to Sam Harris about you he said that one of the things that really made you stand out was the fact that you were just decisive so when you made a decision you would just go with it and you did it you know as a hundred percent is that something that, that you've always done? Is that something you've always done in all of your sports? Or is that some, is it something you did like at life? Is it something that you've has always been part of your rugby game? Can you talk a little yeah, bit about that? That's, that's kind of what I do. That's a part of me. I feel like I'm always a hundred percent. I'm kind of sucks to say, but like, you know, those guys when you're in the drills and you're like, all right, we're going 50%. I'm one of the guys that doesn't really know how to go 50% because I'm just, <laughs> I'm just always balls to the wall. And, uh, you know, and that's that's probably part of the reason why I got those head knocks during the season, um, just because I do do things at 100% all the time. Um, but it's something I pride myself on. And it's and I mean, obviously, the coaches noticed it. So it was pretty good for me. So the uh, last question before I have to quickly head out and just go and check on my daughter is um, you might be here in the background is can you talk a little bit about what it was like playing your first game? And then I'm going to hand over to Dan. Cool. So my first game, I actually wasn't that nervous, which was kind of weird. Um, I felt like it was something that was meant to happen. I don't know. I was, I was in bold stadium and it was just nice looking out on the crowd and, and finally realizing that, that I had made it into the MLR and was pursuing my dreams and was living my dreams, you know, cause I made a lot of, a lot of goals during the year. And one of those goals was to be a consistent starter. And obviously, you know, starting that first game was, was a huge goal of mine and something that I, that I dreamed of. So it was, it was a really cool feeling. Tell us a little bit about the evolution of Austin, because obviously everyone knows the history there that the first two years of major league rugby, uh, a bit of a struggle, right? That the, the community really, didn't rally around them as they probably anticipated them to do. Uh, Adam Gilchrist comes in, uh, buys the team, and starts investing in, in 2020. We have the shutdown. 2021, the crowd gradually grew and grew, and all of a sudden you've got Noxie with the comb over, getting crazy on the sidelines. And by good, the old season, good old Noxie. Good old Noxie. Love Noxie. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's almost a packed house at Bold Stadium. How was that as a player going from early in the year where – it looked like you had a decent crowd, maybe a bit over a thousand. By the end of the year, we were getting up into the high twos, low threes, you know, creeping up on four thousand at those home stack high games. Yeah, I remember in the Toronto game, especially the last home game of the season, it was it was a almost a full house, and I know that we were getting close to about four thousand people there, and and you could definitely feel their presence on the field, and it was nice to to kind of feed off of that as a player. And to, to pump up the crowd and to, and to just get them into it. And it was also cool to see, like, some of the same faces that had been there since the beginning. And we had a little, uh, a little party at the end of the year with all of our season ticket holders. And it was cool to see and talk to all those fans and how they have grown to love the game. And they're talking to all their friends and, and more people are coming out to the games. And, uh, you know, it's just nice to see the sport growing a lot in, in the Austin area. 
Yeah, it was an interesting conversation with Adam Fry, the GM out at LA, and he echoed a similar thought, but mentioned how many non-rugby people were that he was talking to at these events, like these get-togethers with the fans. Is the same in Austin? Did you have a demographic of new rugby fans who were you know, brand new to the game that had kind of been bought into the Gilgronies hype? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of kids that, that love the game that hadn't really seen it before, that just kind of went out with their parents one time. I remember talking to some of the kids in the in the stands afterwards, and they're just like, hey, this is my first game, and it was so much fun watching you guys play. And uh, that's, that's what you live for as a professional athlete. You know, I, uh, it was kind of a wild experience. I was down in Austin on the, the cleaner part of sixth street. And uh, a few people actually, uh, actually recognized me, which was kind of crazy. I, it was a, uh, it was a wild experience. I was with my wife and, and they're like, Hey, are you, do you play for the AGs? I wasn't wearing anything. And so, you know, that's, that's just a testament that the game is, is growing here. And, you know, the same thing happened with one of our players, they were in H and M didn't, didn't have uh, money on them. And, and a lady recognized them as an AG player and, and paid for their, their clothes that day. So like, it's, de- oh. it's definitely growing in the area and he wasn't wearing anything AG as well. So. Welcome, cool. welcome to Pete Steinberg's world. I mean, that guy can't go down the street anywhere. <laughs> oh, the professor. The pro- the professor. Yeah. The same thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't shop in H and M. I guess that's where I need to go if I want to get some. Uh, um, if I want to get some some, some free merch, some good. Yeah, yeah, some some, some free merch. To have someone <laughs> buy things for me. I think I think I'm okay with that. There's a there's a crazy story that at some point, Dan, I'll tell you. I can tell you Connor as well, but it's not for the podcast about um, my wife in Dubai and and someone buying her clothing. But we'll save that for another time. <laughs> so, <laughs> sounds wild. Happened to her yeah. twice. Wow. So, so, is there a H&M so, in Dubai? We could really clean up here, Pete. Yeah, we could. Take we could. Connor so, and Yvonne over there and, mate, you and I will get a whole new wardrobe. Well, mine's um, just 6th Street. That's not, that's not the same as H&M. <laughs> and nobody bought me anything. <laughs> oh. So I, I would like to talk a little bit, like rewind a little bit further because, you know, we have the draft coming up and obviously you were the number one draft pick. So can you give us some insight into what it's like right before the draft like do you a team's talking to you are you reaching out to them are you sitting there just just waiting like how did you know that you were going to be the number one pick like talk a little bit about the experience of a potential draft pick and what the guys will be going through over the next few days I did actually know I was going to be the number one draft pick for a while actually before the draft actually started and once I knew that I think other coaches caught wind of it and I stopped receiving messages and calls from other teams. So, <laughs> so hold it. early, early, early on, like lots of people were reaching out to you. Is that kind mm-hmm. of like, like you were getting messages from different teams and like, did, is there an interview process that you went through? It was a little bit less formal than that. Um, a few teams had like a, a formal guideline. I, I remember rugby ATL. I talked to a lot of people. I remember uh, Utah as well. I sent in uh, videos of me doing some gym sessions Um I remember I was about to get on the call with uh, Paul Emmerich with Houston and I went fishing the, the day I was meant to get on a phone call with him and I was supposed to be home like within two hours and I dropped my phone in the lake. And that is like the wildest story because I remember getting a new phone and calling him the next day and I was like, hey, Paul, I swear, I swear my phone fell in the lake. And he's like, <laughs> okay, Connor. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'll get my homework. 
I, I think a quick call to your people at Life University would unveil uh, un reveal that you're a pretty honest guy. I uh, I would have bought it. I would have taken that hook, line, and sinker, Connor. You get it? Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. There you go. <laughs> so, so, so you know, these guys are coming into the draft like the top guys, are, like are talking to a whole bunch of teams, and then. You know, it sounds a little bit like probably like every draft, right? Like the only team that really knows who they're going to pick is the is is the number one pick, right? The number one pick. They know everyone else is kind of like guessing, and right. and, and 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 so you knew. Now, did you tell your family, or did you leave did. it to be a surprise for them? No, I told my family, and you know, I told my wife because that was going to be the craziest month of our lives. We were graduating, getting married, and then I was going to be picked. So. You know, I wanted to not surprise her with anything else. Otherwise, she would have had a heart attack for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, I remember um, talking to Alan and, and he said to, to tell my family and, you know, that we could celebrate together. And then um, what, what was it like after you, after you were announced? Like, did, you know, did lots of people reach out to you? Was it sort of like... You know, and, and, and during the season, did you feel like there's a little bit like the number one draft pick you had to prove that you were good enough for that pick? Oh, yeah, 100 um, percent. I feel like there was kind of a target on my back a little bit, especially at the beginning of the season for me to, to perform because I was the number one pick. Um, but yeah, after draft day, my phone was exploding with messages, which was pretty cool, um, kind of annoying honestly because like I can't I couldn't answer everything like I was just like overwhelmed and I'm the type of guy that's going to try to answer every single person <laughs> so I was <laughs> I was a little bit overwhelmed but uh yeah it was a, it was a cool process um and uh, I'm sure a lot of the guys are feeling the same right now a lot of these guys in that are coming out of college and I, I've been talking to a few of them especially the life boys and, and I've been saying like hey like this is probably how it's going to go um, you're going to talk to a few teams. It's going to be a little bit weird. And then like a few days before it's going to be like, boom, these guys are going to tell you what's up. So, um, it's a, it's a different process, but it's fun. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you, has anyone reached out, uh, in the college game to talk to you and you just answered that for me. So I'll go a different route. One piece of advice you could give everyone who gets drafted this Thursday. One piece of advice roll with the punches because you're probably going to have to fly out to a city that you're not really familiar with. Just, just go with it. Every rugby team will have a sweet culture. Everybody will welcome you in and you'll, you'll just, you know, find your way home. Yeah. And, and I'll leave you with this before we wrap it up. That video of you as Hulk Hogan, is that the greatest thing you've ever seen in your career? The greatest thing. I was, I was, was a little scared. Honestly, I was like, man, I got to bulk up because I was looking huge. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Hulk, the Hulkster was, he was big back. Do you know what that was? Like that moment in wrestling? Or are you too young to know what happened there? Look, I don't want to be the naive guy and pretend like, I, <laughs> I don't want to pretend like I know. But no, uh, just be like me and be like, I don't know, Dan. Why don't you all right. tell me? Yeah, just fill me in. The year is 1997. Bash at the beach. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash had left the WWF and gone to WCW under the guys, if they were actually still employees of the WWF, they were the outsiders, invaders of the WCW. They proclaimed they had a third member of their crew, but no one knew who it was. 
Bash at the Beach rolls around, which is a pay-per-view wrestling event. Go and go full nerdy here for our wrestling fans. I think Let's there's go. four of them. And uh, so Nash and Hall are, are winning, which is, is not what WCW want. And all of a sudden out comes the red and yellow. Hulk Hogan, the hero. You know, the children look up to him, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, all that stuff. Uh, but he's actually the third man. So he betrays wrestling, the children, everyone. Drops the leg on the macho man and becomes the leader of what becomes the NWO, one of the greatest factions in wrestling history. My point of that, uh, I got a shout out to Dustin Zura, who, who he put that together. I was the creative mastermind behind it. And I'm like, this is actually great, Connor leaving Dallas. I wanted it to be like, drop the leg on the Dallas Jackals. Um, <laughs> but he he didn't want to do that. So he kind of threw them in the background with the saber catch. I'm like, you weren't a turncoat, but it was like one of the great swerves early on in Major League Rugby is like the number one pick goes from Dallas to their arch rivals, Austin. I was like, that's great. It's like when Hogan turned on professional wrestling, went to the NWO. So that's where it came from. And uh, my American wrestling announcing voice uh, was not very good. So I apologize. <laughs> so I, 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 I need to go find this now. Uh, I think it went up on Instagram. Yeah, go to go to Austin Rugby Supporters on Instagram okay. and you'll find it. Yeah, good shout out for that Dustin. was before I even knew that. Yeah, that's, that's even before I knew Dustin. So I was like seeing all these videos. I was like, "Who is this man?" And then Who's I got called guy? on to his show a little bit later. Yeah, good man. So I, I had a, I had a good one for, for rebuttal for because the Sabercats were in there, but they didn't do it. It was uh, another wrestling clip. But hey, teams, reach out if it's wrestling and rugby. I'll I'll mesh it up. You know, we've got JBL, who's a big supporter out in Old Glory within the wrestling world. So why not? There's, there's more similarities than a lot of people would realize between the two brands, I think, with MLR and WWE now. So the F is out, unfortunately. But Connor, you're in your 20s, so you don't know any different. But appreciate you jumping on, brother. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Uh, honestly, it was so good to see. I think you exceeded uh everyone's expectations this year and they were high expectations being the number one pick but you performed beyond you know disputed as a fantastic pickup for austin and excited to see you potentially back in austin next year i'll be in austin i'll be in austin getting close okay just yeah yeah come on come on sammy and gerardo get the checkbook out pay the man i think i do that (laughs) for every guest on the show as i'm actually sure sean Pittman just got re-signed. So I've done it once and it's worked. So fingers crossed you're my second, Connor. Appreciate you jumping on. Go spend some time with the, the lovely wife and we're looking forward to seeing you in 2022. Thanks, guys. There you go. A little, a little, a little wrestling throw it in too, Professor. Mate, you would have been a great manager in wrestling. Like for a heel, for a bad guy, the professor, you'd be walking down with your cane and you know, like Kaiser Soze, you got like the limp, but you're not really hurt. And all of a sudden, remember the, the maester in Game of Thrones too, he'd limp around, everyone thought he was frail, but then he'd get high and be like, oh, I'm good as gold. That would be, you'd be like limp with the cane and then the back turn, you'd crack him with the professor cane or with like one of the beakers over the head and bang, one, two, three, the professor strikes again. Man, man you should really like, like it, it, I feel like Dan, that there's a, there's a there's a pro wrestling like show inside you that you could like that that you could pull together. Maybe it's like an off season MLR shoot off, right? Like, like like you take a stable of MLR players on the road and you barnstorm around the south or something. That, that's actually a really good idea. Let, let me pull back the curtain on on Dan Power here, and this is a, a quasi embarrassing story. When I was a kid, I used to wrestle my couch cushions, yeah, much to 
the uh, begrudging of my my poor mother and i would make her play my entrance music and i'll age myself a little here cds didn't even like weren't commonplace at this point so i'm running off uh, a tape deck uh, actually no it was a C- i had did have a cd so i'm not that old now i think of it but i didn't have a an access to a music library like we do today so the only song i could walk out to was the cornflake girl by tori amos get on youtube and watch it it's got a catchy little riff at the start but i'd i'd walk down the hallway i'd like throw my, my finger up in the air like i'm number one and then i'd take on the pillows and yeah loved it loved the wrestling when i was a kid so um let's let's do it let's get our own mlr troop of wrestlers going I think I think I think that would be a blast. But like, do you remember we just interviewed Connor? So I just think, first of all, I think that that guy is. I mean, Austin. I actually know for a fact, Dan, that you were one of the people that that helped get him to Austin. You're you're well connected in the league, and and put a good word word in him. And it's just been it was a great fit. Like this is a guy that works hard, does really like does everything 100. percent Just like I said in the interview with Sam Harris, and um, I'm excited. He'll play for the US. I mean, it didn't happen this year. I think because of the concussions, but it, it'll happen at some point. And I'm excited to find out who's going to be the number one pick this year. Who's going to be the Connor Mooneyham and what impact are they going to have? Because I think I, I think last year, everyone was sort of like, oh, there's drafts, whatever. I mean, these guys aren't going to make it, but um, um, let's let's get the uh, stats boy on. Stats boy, how many... That's boy, bring him in. How I'm many, not- like, like, talk us through how successful the draft was last year. 28 University Pathway players um debuted all 12 first round picks debuted um five supplementary draft picks debuted uh, and then it was i want to say seven second round draft picks debuted uh only like two of those guys that were in the second round were not with their team the rest of or the the whole season i think only one of them just left their team so and then if you look at uh, from a production standpoint, uh, Andrew Guerra played 14 games for his team, um, and he was a starter from day one. Uh, Justin Johnson, probably without um, due to injury, uh, he uh, would have been near the top with Connor Mooneyham and Andrew Guerra. So when it comes to contribution of young U.S. Pa- collegiate pathway players, uh Many of these guys were ready to play right away. Um, and I think we'll see that with a few of these players this year. Um, we are also bringing in Canadian players, and there are some Canadian players that are ready to play right away. So I Yeah, think- I mean, actually, I think, you, you know, honestly, I think, I think there are more Canadians ready to play than U.S. because the Canadian players play men's club rugby um, outside of their college season in yeah, a way that right. the uh, U.S. players don't. So you're going to have a number of Canadians that are going to come in who have got three or four seasons of top, you know, in, in B.C. or, or in, in Ontario, like really good level men's club rugby that have, that have played like all summer before they played in their, in, um, in, their college, in their college season. So I think that's going to be a real advantage for those Canadian players. They'll be able to hit the ground running. Yeah, listen to those crickets in the background, folks. Even, yeah, even that's the insects me. I'm, are getting I, I bored of listening to the professor. <laughs> no, so so it's. I have to sit outside, otherwise I'm going to wake up my daughter for a second time in the interview. Yeah. So I'm trying not to. But but Dan, before we go, we have to finish something that we started. I think a month ago. Yeah, give me a jer- hashtag. Give me a jersey. It's all come down to this. 
I have to hand it over to the professor. You've got to announce the winner. I can't do I'm too emotional. So there's a number of great um, uh, uh, um, reviews that were left on um, iTunes. Thank, thanks for all the guys that did that. But there's been a guy that has been pushing the um, Give Me a Jersey campaign for MLR Kickoff. And it is um, r.maya on Twitter. And it's at underscore meonic. So he's a he's a longtime follower of the uh, um, of the show, um, tweets about us quite a bit, and is a SeaWolves fan. So is in Washington. So we should uh, um, if if he can send me a DM. No, send um, to Aaron. And send you to Aaron a DM. Strobro. Yeah. Strobro. Strobro. Or, or the MLR kickoff uh, account either on yeah, Twitter yeah. will work. So, so if if, uh, if 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 he can send it there, we will we will start working on getting him a jersey. Hopefully, we'll get it to him before the start of next season. Oh, surely we can get it to him before the start of next season. Come on, no, uh, I think it's Rick. Is it Aaron? Is it Rick? I think it is Rick. Rick, we've lost him. We've lost that boy. Yeah. He's he's frantically calculating shipping to Seattle. He's like, why couldn't we do it somewhere closer? Drop it off. Save the budget. No, he honestly, great supporter. Like he's very active on social media, supports the show. And we appreciate not only his support, everyone's support and, and everyone going in, except Scary Larry, because you smashed me in the Pickums. Uh, and Scary Larry's wife, who wrote a review as well. I'll give that one a shout out. That was pretty creative. I know it was you, Larry. It wasn't your wife trying to get a jersey. Mate, I got smashed this year. I came fifth. We already did this, didn't we? We went through the pick You don't want to talk yeah, about yeah, this yeah. again. No, I definitely don't want to talk about it. You did great. You were like in the top 10. I was in the bottom 10, I think. Like I just gave up and stopped picking. All right. Well, Pete, quick show, but a good show. We got to get ready for the draft. Uh, who, do you, who, do you, uh, who do you like at number one? Oh, uh, Dan. <laughs> who do I just... like at number one? There's, there's I, just so you know, many. It's well, so I think I think the challenge is it goes back to what to what you said, which is there just isn't enough information on 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 the players. I think it's just it's going to be a little bit of a crapshoot. I think you know, as we heard from Connor, I think a lot of this gonna is going to come down to the interaction that the players have with um, the teams, and there's going to yeah. be a lot of decisions based on culture and things like that. There just isn't enough. Like, I, I, unfortunately, that's one of the things that's normally really nice, but I just don't think we have enough information to even be speculating right. on that. Here comes the damn power lock. All right. Now, don't okay. gamble on this, people. Gamble responsibly. I don't want to be responsible for uh, you eating ramen noodles for the next five years. The, the, the player I like the most to contribute is Emmanuel Albert out of Lindenwood. Really like him. Loose forward, and we know Lucy's do well initially. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do well. That's true. Yep. So we've seen we've seen a couple of really good loose forwards come out. Great athlete, great upside. If he ended up, uh, who's got the number one pick? Dallas again. Strobro, it's Dallas, right? Dallas, then Houston, then Seattle, then Toronto. As of right now, Toronto may trade. I there's just there's a couple of question marks at Dallas, right, in terms of coaching staff. So I don't know if he goes to Houston. Heineke Meyer coming in there, director of rugby. Could be a good spot for this. And they, they need some back rollers in Houston as well. So if he slides to two, 
great pickup. So keep an eye on uh, young Emmanuel out of Lindenwood University. Good little nursery, Lindenwood. It's turning into as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, Lindenwood's a, one of those places that provides a lot of support. So they get some of the best high school players in the country going to Lindenwood on both the men and the women's side, and they have good coaching right there. So I think it's a. Uh, um, you know, some of these some of these schools that aren't as well known. I mean, life is well known in rugby, but not really well known outside of it, right? So a number of these yeah. schools that have seen rugby as a way of building their brand, I think it's gonna, you know, they're gonna be good places to to find good players. Off topic, Pete, how good are the Linwood women? You know, Penn State. They're really just, good. Just vanished. Just vanished. I heard they got rid of a coach there who'd won eleven national championships, and ever since then it's just been downhill. He won't even bite on it. He won't touch it. The Not professor, bite on it. the eleven-time, twelve-time national champion. We uh, will wrap it up, folks. It's been a good one for the professor Pete Steinberg, our producer Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Powell. Make sure you watch the draft this Thursday. It's going to be a great one, and uh, we will catch you next week with our roundup of all the picks. And we'll dive deep on who went where, and we'll get some grades out as well. Our feel on the draft grades coming up next week as well. So that'll wrap it up. Till next time. Episode 102 of MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the Rugby Shop.